Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back to Canucks After Dark, September 19th. Folks, we're a month away from NHL hockey. Uh, well, I guess we're kind of like five days away from NHL hockey, but Clay, as always, my co-host. How are you doing today, Clay? Parker, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, I want to hear how you're doing, but today I got to volunteer at the Milford, the golf tourney, and saw some of the players gathering for the first time. This is the first time all the players have gathered for a charity function since February 2020. So uh, once we got that excitement out of the way, it was just awesome to be uh, among the team. And I, as a volunteer, I was not supposed to take selfies or ask for autographs. I actually don't do, believe it or not, I'm a 40-year-old man. I don't have to be a fanboy, so I, I don't do that anyways. But just to casually say, hey, you know, Jack Rathbone, hope you make the team. Hey, Travis Dermott, do, do you want to play on the left or right side this year? You know, just mm-hmm. little small stuff like that. Pretty cool, if I may say so, in a beautiful day out in your neck of the woods, out in uh, Northview in Surrey. So it was great. Lovely. Sounds like yes. a, a great time. And you? Uh, what have you been up not, to? Not too much. Playing some hockey, getting yeah. some skating in. That's about it for me. Nothing too. Wait, your nothing season too winding down or starting up again? Starting up. It's hockey season. September. Wow. That, that's true. That's true. Is yeah. your team the same team as always? Yeah, same team as always. We're still still running running it. It's hoping to do better this year. <laughs> You're the number one D, right? On, on your team. You're the Quinn Hughes uh, of your team. Yeah, now that one guy left. So, yes. Oh. Our number one D has, I have taken his spot. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's okay. uh, it, it's a it's a good time. Excited for the season and excited to to maybe watch a, a Vancouver Canucks hockey game on <laughs> yeah. Sunday uh, or Crazy. two at the same time. Actually, because we've gone so long without it, let's uh, let's have two at once. Uh, we that. had the young stars happen up in Penticton that ended today. Uh, how much of that did you pay attention to? Not a lot. Um, I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see a second. Of any of the three games live, I only read about it. And I, I only know they lost 5-2 today. I, didn't, I haven't seen any highlights or anything. So, unfortunately, um, I'll admit, I did not watch anything. I, I definitely read about it with great interest, though, for sure. But didn't see yeah. much. I also didn't really follow it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where anything that's coming out of it isn't probably a big deal for a while, uh, a couple of years or so. <laughs> uh, so, Lyndon asking, who caught your eyes at the Young Stars tourney? My eyes weren't there. There was no eyes to catch, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. The, the Canucks didn't have uh, many, you know, any big enough names to really draw my attention away from whatever else I was doing. Yeah, um, I know. Yesterday, uh, Klimovich and Nielsen uh, combined for two really nice goals. One of them was one to the other. The other one was the other guy to the other guy. So that looked good. Uh, but you're right um, because, as we talked about last week, I think they had. These young guys, but not no Lekaramaki, no Pedersen, the D-man, none of the guys that we just um, drafted. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of these older guys who might be actually AHL call-ups today. I mean, this not today, this year. Like right. uh, the Carlsons and the Baines and the Oman. So that's kind of interesting, but not really the youngest of young stars, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they are. They're they're adults. You know, they're 20, 21, 22, I think, is in some cases. Like yes. they're 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 players that if they haven't made it by now, most of them don't. Uh, at least yeah. once you get to that age, um, so there there'll be guys who are filling up the AHL this year, uh, which yep. are very which is you know important, and especially with that team being local now, uh, you know, it definitely I'm sure it caught some interest of some people in Abbotsford more so uh, than ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's true, and it's great though that they had the tournament. It's great that they're 
whatever, maybe a few of these guys will be playing against a few of the guys from the Oilers or the Jets or the Flames. You're right, two or three years or four years from now. But this it's a sign that hockey is back. At least things are getting back to normal. And just like Lucas said, you know the season is close when the Canucks sports and entertainment staff, like Lucas, are being called in tomorrow. And you know it's now happening. Hockey is back. So, Lucas, we're excited for you and everyone that's employed by the team, a sign of normalcy. And thank you for your support and your donation, as always. Parker mm-hmm. and I both appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's hard to realize you know, just how close it is. Uh, I mean, the yeah. Canucks' first game, I think, is October 3rd, 12th. October 12th against the Oilers is their first regular season game. So we are talking one, two, three weeks and two days away. 23 days from the regular season kicking off. Yes. But, yeah, like I was saying earlier, the Canucks are six days away um, from their first game and their second game, uh, split squad against the Flames. Uh, and then they don't play at all for, like, three days until yeah. Thursday the 29th, which is odd. Um, it is. Yeah, we got training camp in Whistler this week. We yep. got preseason. We got regular season. It's yes. uh, I'm already nervous. <laughs> what are you most nervous about? Disappointment, failure, Seriously? pain. Yeah. I, I've it's all we ever get. You know, I mean, last year I had the I had the excitement, and I was I was taught actually the last two years, I guess. You know, that bubble yeah. season. I thought, yeah, yeah, this is a team that can that can you know they're in a bad division, and then they didn't win yeah. a game, and then. Last year they were supposed to, you know, be a contender, and then they started out with, you know, zero wins, and then, yeah, uh, you know, then the end of the season finished great, but, you know, I, I, I have so I'm, I'm excited, and I'm hopeful, uh, and I believe that it's a good team, but yeah. it won't take much for things to go off the rails, which is what I am scared of. Yeah, no, I, actually, I want to touch on a couple of things you said, and before we do that, I want to highlight a botch guy said. I watched all three games from start to finish. So this is good. So we got to get Botch Guy helping us. And some clear standouts. Klim was, uh, Klimovich was dynamic. Needs more structure. Carlson has great hands. Played well. Slow skater, though. Nielsen was a surprise. Tenacious. That's an awesome scouting report. Thank you. Thank you, we'll Botch Guy. It. We appreciate we'll that. It. Yes. Yes. Those, that's, that's, hey, whoever said that earlier, uh, Lyndon asked yep. who, I, who caught my eyes. It was those three. <laughs> um, I paid yes. attention. Parker and I lived vicariously through Botch Guy, who did watch every single minute of all three games. Uh, something you said just about being scared, being excited, which is the real team. Uh, you know, we have a, a bunch of new faces who, um, and I made, I tweeted about this, Parker. It's crazy. The last time I volunteered, and I, I'm not just saying this to brag about the Milford, but I have a point. 2019, the last time that they did the Milford proper, only eight players from that roster. Still, and it's it's the guys you'd expect: Petey, Vesser, Horvat, Hughes, Miller, Demko, Pearson, and Myers. But that's it. Eight out of whatever 21, 22, 23. So two thirds of this team is new over the past three seasons. That I think that's saying a lot, actually. Yeah, and that's really over the team that that had a run, right? Yes. Like that that bubble team. That's it's not the same team anymore, right? Yeah. I, and you look at some of the additions and. You know, if we just look at additions versus subtractions compared to last year, you know, you get rid of, you know, Benning and Green and that whole regime. And now you have, you know, Rutherford Alvian and then really behind the bench Boudreaux. Mm. That's an upgrade, seemingly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, getting rid of basically your entire fourth line, which was a fine fourth line, but replacing them with, in theory, better players. And then adding yeah. Mikheyev and Kuzmenko and 
doing yeah. absolutely nothing about the defense. And suddenly you have a recipe for maybe a team that might be at least exciting, uh, mm. hopefully. <laughs> so where, then, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Like coming into preseason, yeah. are you going to yeah. put any weight into any of the preseason games? No, I think I've learned not to, especially when you're split squatting exactly as you said, right off the bat. And so you're having, you're, I'm sure you're dressing the bare minimum of uh, the absolute minimum of veterans for both of those squads, considering yeah. it's, it's this Sunday <laughs> after a two day training camp. So, and then of course, as preseason progresses, we start to see the lineup start to form a little bit, but um, I, I'm still, so I, well, I won't put a lot of st- uh, stock Parker in the results of the preseason. I am. So one thing I'm interested in, of course, we've talked about this before, is what's going to happen. Does Quinn or Oyel move to the right side? I, I think that's kind of an intriguing story, and it could be a game changer. I, I don't think we're overestimating that when we say, or overselling it when we say it could be a game changer. Literally, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I'm not. I don't unless they lose all seven games, <laughs> then I'll be like, okay, guys, like, let's okay. Maybe at least we got them out of the way, but like we got to work that out. Um, I will put some decent stock into player performances. Yes. If it's someone like JT Miller in the preseason and he looks like he's not trying hard enough, <laughs> I don't care what right. it's preseason, right? Like, yeah, practice how you play, all this stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be, he's probably going to be fine. You know, he, he's a, any veterans, if they come out slow, as long as they're not looking like extremely lazy, uh, or that they are trying but ha- have lost a step or something along those lines. Yeah. If, you know, there's, you know, Patterson can't score for seven games, right? That's that's where my concern would start to lie. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we're going to get some good insight into, you know, what lineups we're going to be seeing, at least for the first maybe 10 games or so, uh, and who might have a chance of standing out. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to get our first taste of Kuzmenko. We're going to get our first yes. taste of Mikheyev and Lazar. And Josh yes. was going to get, I'm sure Josh was going to get a bunch of ice time across these games. Yeah. Um, so that's where my interest lies. I love it. And aside from this hughes Oyel right side predicament or opportunity, is there anything else, uh, either player battle, position battle, you just want to see Kuzmenko on North American ice? Is there, what's the most intriguing thing to you, Parker? Yeah, if you think about what battles there are, right? I mean, there's yeah. the top six of... Yeah who stays in the top six really right because the canucks kind of have you know seven guys that you could put there yeah um you know are they going to run their three best centers as centers right are they you know are they going to put um Patterson, miller and horvat all down the middle uh, mm-hmm. or are they going to you know try to try to mix things up and and go with you know Patterson on the wing yeah. Um, are yeah. they going to, you know, if you look at the guys you could have in the top six, Patterson, Miller, Besser, Garland, yeah. Horvat, and then Mikheyev are sort of the six obvious ones. But then, you know, you still do have Tanner Pearson, who has a bunch of notable time with Bo Horvat. Uh, mm-hmm. But if Bo Horvat moved down to the third line, then suddenly you have a great fit. Um, yeah. Kuzmenko could be a second line player, very possibly, right? Um, so I think you sort of have eight guys who could potentially end up in the top six one way or another. So that's, that's the first battle I'm looking for. I like it. I like it. Uh, speak. This is, I probably shouldn't say this, but that's okay. Well, funny thing today, Parker at the golf tournament, the three Russians, Kuzmenko and Podkolzin and Mikhail really wanted to play together in the same foursome. And then, 
<laughs> Canucks staff had to explain to them that no, the whole point is you, there's one Canucks player in each force, and that's the whole point of that's spreading great. the guys out. Yeah, but it, it was pretty funny, and I get it. If you, let's say they don't play golf, they're not comfortable with the language, and they don't know anyone else in the city, i.e., Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. I, I get where there there want to be a certain comfort level, but um, to their credit, they obliged, and I, I think they split themselves up. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so. What are, what battle is are you looking forward to the most, or yeah, what? I. Piece yeah. of intrigue. Yeah, I like what you said. I, I think how Boudreaux composes his top six uh, and therefore by trickle-down effect top nine makes sense. I think uh, there's no goaltender barrier. We know it's Demko and Martin. I, I think that's safe to say. Uh, on D, I'm fascinated to see where um, where that goes with a potential shifting in alignment of Hughes or OEL. But to me, uh, I'll continue your thought, is then the trickle-down effect is to the fourth line. And in my mind, if I was, yeah, we've talked about this before. If you talk about the three centers, the three Russians, and then Besser, Garland, and Pearson, the three wingers, then that leaves, I think, four guys, Parker, battling for three spots. I love your thoughts. I think between, at least five guys. Oh, okay. I'm missing some. I think I know I'm missing, but I won't spoil. So the four I had in my head were Lazar as the center, and then Hoglander, Dickinson, and and uh, Dakota Joshua. Right. As the the four, but who's the fifth I'm missing? I think that kind of makes sense. Say. I was thinking, you know, also kind of Pod or Pearson. I mean, okay, um, or Pod Coles. I don't know. I don't know where yep. I'm going with this. I guess no, Pod I hear Coles what you're saying. was more on my mind. Um, right, right. Because right. if you shifted Pearson up to the third, Pod Coles will drop down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I that's that is an interesting one too. Uh, yeah. I, and I think the real interesting wild card is Dakota Joshua. Yes. Um, because yes. to take to put him in the lineup, you're who are you taking out? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, so if the way I, in my the way I envision the lineup is, I see four guys battling for three spots on the fourth line, and for me, it's Lazar and Dickinson, Huglander and Joshua. That's the way I have it. Those four guys battling for three, and Huglander embattled a little bit, but people, I don't want to give up on him. He's only two years in. Joshua brings something so, and that sandpaper that we want. Lazar, I think, will get that fourth spot, uh, the fourth line center, if the Canucks go one, two, three down the middle. So that leaves Dickinson. Can you play on the wing? Will he battle for that fourth line center spot? He he was kind of disappointing last year, huh? Dick yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that that is a fear, right? And that that really pushes me. You know, Jason Dickinson really pushes me to put Horvat on the third line. But then, like, why you don't want Horvat on your third line, right? That seems like a waste of of Bo Horvat. Um, right. I, I that's the Canucks basically just have you know three top two centers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you uh, but you don't they don't have enough great wingers that you that it takes away the option of, you know, putting one of them onto the wing and, um, yeah. you know, like an Elias Patterson and, and seeing what happens. Um, anything on defensive pairings wise other than Hughes shifting, you know, let's say let's say Hughes stays on the left. OK. Do you think they put him back with Luke Shen in that case or do they try something else? Do they try to put OEL on the right? Do they put him with Tyler Myers what do you what do you think they try to do if I had to bet how they're gonna open the season I don't care who's on the right but I think you're pairing OEL and Hughes to me Parker that leaves a second pairing of Dermot on the left with Myers on the right I don't think you can put Myers as a third pairing guy that's way too expensive I know it's not about that so then that leaves Shen and Rathbone uh, um, or sorry Let's say Rathbone on the left, which I'm fine with. I, you guys, we both like him so much. And then that means Shen and a healthy Pullman battling then for that third 
right spot. That I don't worry. I mean, not I don't worry, but I don't think Kyle Burrows or Brady Keeper or Christian Rulanen or any of those guys are going to unseat any of those guys. So to me, it's the third pairing of Rathbun on the left and either Shen or Pullman on the right. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because Rathbone, Rathbone has similar qualities to Quinn Hughes, not as good, obviously. So I think Shen could play with someone like Rathbone, who's a puck mover, because it's kind of like playing with Quinn Hughes, just maybe not as good, that, yeah. but still good, but not as good. Yeah, I, I think it will be interesting, because I, if I go on daily faceoff, like they've penciled in Hughes with Shen, because that's what he played with last mm. time. And yeah. then Ekpen, uh, OEL Myers, because they played together a bunch. Yeah. And yeah, they have Dermot and Pullman. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I, I just don't want Luke Shen playing 20 plus minutes a night. <laughs> that just doesn't True. seem like a recipe for success. That is totally fair. So do you think he played over his head last year? Or do you think he was... Yeah, because he did okay last year. He wasn't amazing, mm-hmm. but he, he did pretty good last year. Yeah, he was absolutely fine. Um, but I, he was he was probably a, a good number three, four last year. Maybe yeah. a good number four um, who played a lot of ice time. The problem is that he's never been that high in his career, you know, barring the first few years of his career after being, you know, a top five draft pick. Yeah. Um, but to come in and basically be forced to do it and he held up okay problem is you know he's a year older he's gonna be 33 this year uh you know how many how many miles are you taking off the clock every game if you're Mm. playing him for 22 23 minutes a night yeah no that's true that's true would so you said the way daily faceoff has it if hughes and oel stay on the left you have oel myers hughes shen and then dermot pullman as your third pairing are you there's there's no debate here. It's Dermot over Rathbone for sure, right? Because Dermot's a, an actual NHL veteran. And... Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, okay. I, I think Rathbone should be probably first in line, yeah. um, you know, as the number eight, uh, unless they have eight on the roster, which I know yeah. some teams do. So uh, I, I think you want Rathbone playing 20 minutes a night in Abbotsford. Okay, uh, fair enough. You know, defensemen take a while to, to get there. Obviously, he's had, you know, he's... 23 years old already um but he's only been a pro for the two years right he played Mm -hmm. and barely right i mean his first in 2020-2021 he played eight games for the canucks eight games for the comets and then last year was his first full season i mean he played 48 pro games last year um, which is and i mean he was a point per game player in the ahl which is great as especially as a defenseman um but i think he's probably got some more stuff to shore up uh, before being an NHL regular, especially on a team that's trying to be a playoff team this year and kind of has yeah. to be, this isn't the time for auditions, right? This is the time to to prove yourself. Well, it's almost like you knew I was going to put this up. Nyan says, okay, you said he's got to shore his, up his game. So, Parker, what does Rathbone have to do on the ice to make it and to the opening night He roster? has to be one of the best six defensemen in the Canucks <laughs> organization. And I, I think that... Um, the Canucks need to be careful to not ignore a guy like Rathbone because, you know, he's young and and might make some mistakes if he mm-hmm. is genuinely better than a guy like Tucker Pullman. Yeah. Um, or if Pullman's not healthy, then, you know, go up the list. You know, if he, if he outplays Luke Shen or something along those lines, right? Um, if that's the case, then uh, if you, 
genuinely outplays them, then he deserves to be in the roster because yeah. this team needs to be icing the best roster possible every night they can if they because this isn't a guaranteed playoff team right this is a team that's going right. to be right on the edge so they better you know have the best roster they can out there regardless yeah. of age regardless of you know uh, of anything else it's it's yeah. all about winning games would parker what would you think of a rathbone dermot combo and let's say pullman isn't healthy or even if he is he gets beaten out or is that too sketch for you or you do you like that rathbone I, on the left dermot on the right i don't hate it i think yeah. it's a i don't see many coaches liking that as a third pair you know <laughs> for a, a pair you might put on your defensive zone or, or something yeah. like that the thing is uh bruce Boudreau doesn't really play his players that way i saw yeah. a really interesting chart uh, earlier today about sort of the deployment uh, of travis green versus the deployment of bruce Boudreau, and mm. how travis greens was much more zone of the ice based uh, so there's better players played in the offensive zone more Whereas Bruce oh. Boudreaux, there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to what zone players are deployed in, just that the better players get played more. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to be uh, a bit of a difference where, you know, maybe Rathbone and Dermott, you know, could still get 50% offensive zone starts. Um, it's just the D zone starts that you got to be a little more worried about. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah and you're right. Uh, Rathbone Dermott doesn't uh, scream quintessential third pairing. I, I hear that. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean they have to suck. It just means, yeah, maybe you you have to be a little more choosy about deploying them. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. That's just a really good point. Yeah, yeah I have nothing against... On, I yeah. Like, coaches are big on trust. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, But maybe, yeah, so, uh, we'll have to see what happens during the preseason. Of course, not all potential seven starters are going to be, you know, our seven best D. They're not all going to be in the same game. They're going to try different pairings, different alignments. And um, as we get closer to the end, I guess we'll have a better idea. But yeah, I, I think it's neat. So Parker, we both agree then there's not a lot of intrigue and goal. Maybe the intrigue is between Delia, Silovs, and Di Pietro for, for the two Abbotsford spots. We know what Vancouver's going to look like. But yeah, some battles for the, the forwards and definitely some interesting combinations for the blue lineup. It shapes up to at least for some intrigue for sure. I fully agree. I, I'm definitely yeah. going to, um, well, am I going to watch the first two? If they're split squad, I don't care that much. Uh, and also right. it's it's on a Sunday, so there's football on. I know, um, I know. Priorities, yes, yes. Yeah, and I, I'd much rather watch. Actually, no, I wouldn't rather watch the Seahawks get blown out. I don't know. Who do the uh, Seahawks have this week? This week? Uh, I don't even know. Well, they weren't that good yesterday, that's for sure. <laughs> no, they sure weren't. <laughs> Uh, and they've got Atlanta, so I mean, they—I mean, they, they actually might be an interesting one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, three. Yes, they of their preseason games, they have four at home, but one of them, I believe, is in is in Abbotsford, right? That's why they only have the three at Rogers. Uh, that sounds I think plausible. Yeah, I think the Edmonton one is in Abbotsford, actually. So they go Calgary split, um, Seattle at home, and then. Abbotsford for Edmonton, and then they wind up, I think, with Seattle to wrap. No, yeah, Arizona. It's, to wrap so it's, a, it's a Calgary split. Yeah. Um, then here against Seattle, then in Seattle. Okay. And then in Edmonton, then here against Edmonton in Abbotsford. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, uh, against Arizona at home. Yeah. Uh, and then five days off, and then they're off yeah. on a five game road trip to start the season. Yeah. Which scares me as well, um, <laughs> honestly. 
uh, one of those things where I, I think they had a road trip pretty early on last year, and there was two sides. There was one group where it was like, oh, boy, a good chance to lose a bunch of games at the start of the year. Yeah. And the other side was, yeah, but they're going to get real close. They're going to bond. They're going to, yeah. you know, they're going to become brothers on this, you know, this two week road trip. Yeah. Um, little column A, little column B. You look at the yeah. teams they've got, you know, yeah. first week, the Oilers, that'll be tough. Yeah. The Flyers are probably not going to be great. Uh, we just learned today they're going to be without Sean Couturier for maybe the entire season. Um, wow. Washington's always tough. Columbus will be interesting with Goudreau. And then yes. Minnesota will be kind of middling as well, maybe a yep. bit on the lower end. So, I mean, it's a road trip that they could go three, two, four, one, two, three on, right? Like, who knows? Yep. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah, you're so right about a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B last season, where it was a good chance to bond because that was finally a normal season after a COVID shortened season and then a weird all Canadian division season, which. Yeah. Man, I, I, I won't take all of yours and bore them down memory lane too much, but that had so much potential to be a cool season. We sucked. That was, we were so bad. It was some of the most boring hockey I have ever watched. <laughs> the Canucks were so slow. I oh. still, I, I, the only thing I think of, the only game I remember yeah. from that bubble season was against Montreal. And the Canucks yep. got abs, the, blores just, uh, the doors just blown off of them. And they were just slow and terrible, and I think Montreal had like seven goals by the end of the second period, and that about summed up that season. And it was only like twenty games in, and it was just over because they had lost like fourteen of them. Yeah. It was it was just yeah, it could have been interesting. It could have been a cool race, uh, but there was a real separation right off the bat, and it yeah. was uh, an absolute snooze fest. Great point. It's so disheartening as a fan, as a content creator, when the team we are cheering for we are creating content about is out of the race halfway in the sea just like last year 8 15 and 2 before they pulled this and it got a little bit exciting as they, they scratched and clawed their way back but it was it was all for naught like it's that's frustrating it's so much fun when the connects are winning yeah uh, it was yeah. it was when it's over before it starts and that is my big fear for this year right it's like okay. hey are we if i'm gonna commit to to doing you know 70 post game shows whatever i end up doing whatever the number ends up being mm -hmm. they bet if the games aren't interesting i don't know how long that's gonna last because <laughs> it gets <laughs> it gets pretty painful yeah. um after a while yeah yeah can we talk about Bo for a couple minutes yeah let's talk about Bo horvat yeah i'll set this one up and then and then please oh by the way um it's weird on our our platform we can't display when someone gifts a membership but so uh, coach right. rob earlier in the stream you gifted a membership and i think it was uh, jaskarin who's uh your number one fan parker he actually ended up receiving it so coach rob thank you for your generosity and congratulations jaskarin now you can uh, fanboy parker as a, a full-fledged member i'm not but i'm not jealous i promise <laughs> Bo. all right yeah horvat yes um two different things frank frank cervelli did you hear this said well, both Cervelli and Friedman said the negotiations are not close, maybe not anywhere where they close to where they want to be. But then Cervelli said the opening salvo from the Canucks, the number may have started with a five. Do you believe that? Even a high five, five, nine? <laughs> yeah, I it, it, maybe as a starting point or it's like, hey, we're going to start you low and then we'll work our way up. Right. Um, That's Yes, yes. We're like. Maybe maybe Horvat's camp says, "Yeah, we want eight five. and then the Canucks are like, "Okay, how about five seven? You know, <laughs> like, let's <laughs> let's, and then we'll try to find our way to the middle. 
uh, like those arbitration numbers that you see of all course. the time. Um, yeah, if it was maybe they if they were looking at something like eight years, but even then, I, I think you're. I, yeah. I, I think a guy like Horvat, they're probably looking for something in the sevens, um, and the Canucks probably know that, and they're probably hoping that it ends up somewhere in the you know low to mid sixes. Yeah. Um, but I think the other tweet that you were going to mention, I think, said that um, I think it was Friedman that yes. said uh, it should it will probably it's looking like it's starting with a seven potentially. Right. Right. So we got Sarah Valley saying it's in the, the opening salvo was in the fives. Friedman saying it could get as high as eight, but likely in the sevens. So you're right, Parker. Maybe it's a classic negotiation tactic. Both sides start. And that's the whole point. You know, you, you, you kind of converge and. I don't know. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say between six and a half to seven. That's what I see a lot of, and closer to the six and a half side, actually. Yeah. And How do you know? Like, yeah, and the yeah. thing is, this has been a management group that's been pretty leak-proof so far. Yeah. Um, so, but yes. you know, you can always talk to the agents, right? And I'm sure that's a big a big source for a lot of these insiders as well. Um, but. If we're thinking that Elliot Friedman is using an insider as a source and is saying very least the sevens, maybe it is somewhere in the high sixes, right? And that agent's trying to push things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard for us to tell, uh, as yeah. in impossible for us to tell until it happens. Um, but, you know, the fact that it is not close, not progressing is a bit worrying to me when we're this close to the season, right? Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's either you get it done before the season or yeah. you probably don't worry about it until you know the deadline right because um, lots of players will be like you know okay i want this done by start a training camp uh, i don't want to hang over my head if it's not done by then then we'll talk again in march or something along mm -hmm. those lines right mm -hmm. uh, it's basically mm -hmm. what lamar jackson just did in in baltimore if you're following <laughs> football he said look i have a deadline of x day if i don't have a contract by that day then we'll talk in the off season done deal uh good, interesting Interesting. Does that does that generally? I know, I know contracts work in different leagues, but does that generally work for an NFL a star NFL player? A stars for for the most part. I mean, it happened with yeah. Russell Wilson uh, right. on his previous contract, right, where it went down to the wire. And yeah. um, the NFL, you know, there it's a it's a much more injury prone league where right. you know they want guarantees and security. In the NHL, not many star players. You know, we always say. You know, lots of guys like term for the guarantee and, you know, just yeah. in case there's injury or whatever. But there's not a lot of careers cut, at least on star players, mm -hmm. that short by injury. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I there's not many that I can think of at all um, on a guy that probably missed out by going on a one year deal instead yeah. of taking some long term. Good point. Uh, missing out on a big contract. It's just it's really rare. Um, so for a guy like Horvat, he might be saying, okay, well, I can just wait till we get to free agency. And then there's 20 people bidding on me instead of one. Yeah. 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 Good point about the, yeah, the difference in contracts. Cause I, I wanted to ask you and, and Steve brought it up. So, um, and respectfully to Steve, yes, uh, that 6.5 number is right. But technically that's going to change with it's uh, six years. It's going to be higher. If it's eight years, it's going to be lower because you can actually negotiate a bit lower because you're saying we're going to sign you, give you some more security. So. Um, I think a good comparable, Parker, I was going to ask you about, let's use Miller's seven years as a comparable. So if Miller gets seven years at $8 million per, if we were to do the same thing, Horvat for seven years, would you agree with me that that number 
relatively speaking, should be between six and a half and seven, or am I too low there? I think that's probably pretty close. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, are you going to lose Bo Horvat because you didn't want to pay him 7.2? Right? Good like, point. at at some yeah. point, you know, there's there's going to be a bit of leeway both sides. Is Bo Horvat really going to leave over $300,000? It goes both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's, I, I think they're, he's a guy that they'll want. You know, he's he's the captain of the team for a reason. Yep. Um, yep. I want him to be on the team. Um, yes. But yeah, if we're talking eight million dollars a year, then I'm thinking you're getting you're getting into elite territory. Right. He is not yep. JT Miller, even though he is the captain and he's <laughs> played here his entire career. And that has some weight. It doesn't have as much weight as, you know, scoring 99 points. You know, Bo, yep. Bo, Bo Horvat peaked at 61 points in his best yep. season so far. Twenty seven goals. Uh, this last year at 31 goals, so he's a he's a 30 goal scorer. Hmm. At least he scored scored 30 goals once and was close another time. Yeah. Um, he's a 30 goal scorer who can probably net around 60 points um, and can be a leader. Is that worth eight when you already have two centers? Probably yeah. not. Yes. Yeah, and I know we talked about this before, and we're going to talk about it again until he signs. But some would say the Canucks committing to JT Miller is a sign that they're at least open to the idea or preparing for the worst case scenario that they lose Horvat or, or move him, not lose him for nothing, obviously. Fascinating yeah. times. It, we Back in May, June, April, for that matter, I don't think we, we would have predicted that Miller was the one who's got the seven-year contract or eight-year contract and Horvat's yeah. the one we're worried about. Yep, absolutely. I, I'm hoping... Again, they get it done. Um, I, I think the next topic I want to go to then yep. is Ethan Bear, uh, yes. whose name has been floating around a good bit. Um, played for Edmonton, now is in Carolina, is a mm. right-handed defenseman, um, making $2.2 million this year and then yeah. a restricted free agent after that. Um, first instincts hearing his name floated around. You know, maybe... I'm so desperate, Parker, for a change or for the Canucks to do something kind of unexpected. So I liked it, but then I, I was talking to people um, who know more about other players than I do. I just I just focus on the Canucks. And the, the scuttlebutt I get is that he's not the fastest and he's not the best puck mover. And I'm like, well, then why do we want him? I don't know. But someone convinced me otherwise. I, 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 I merely don't know a lot about him, quite frankly. Yeah, I don't think I do either. Um, yeah. I, I don't at all. I, I know that he's, you can look at his stats and be like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, he's a 15 to 20 point defenseman. He's been a, he was a plus one last year. He's sort of been right around even forever. Um, analytically, he's pretty good. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, the, the the J Fresh card has an 81%, but that's seen, oh. but that's like, which is really good, but he was in a depth role. Um, that's the projection because he was worse last year. He was only about 55% last year. Okay. Um, so he was good in his last year in Edmonton, was yeah. kind of middling in Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, a depth role, it's maybe harder to be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a right-handed defenseman who's young. That's that's <laughs> the intrigue, right? Yeah. And it's is it a right-handed defenseman that can be like a number three or is it a right-handed defenseman that will be a number six? Yeah. That's the, that's the fear. Now... 
what the return would look like for a guy like Ethan Bear, I have no idea. That that right-handed defenseman premium is so high mm-hmm. um, that it scares me a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who did? Um, what did the Stars uh, Rangers get for their for Lundqvist Day? They got two they got draft picks, right? They got what? at least a first. I, only, I that's all I saw. They had a 2023 first, if wow. I remember correctly, which is a lot uh, for a guy who hasn't really shown much. Uh, it's top 10 protected. Okay. Um, that's scary. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a lot. So great point, Parker, about the return. Yeah, you have to consider it. You can't simply say, oh, yeah, Ethan Bear 2.2, that looks good. He he could fill a nice role for us on third pairing. But what are you giving up to, to get him? Wow. Maybe Lundqvist is better than, than Bear 2. Maybe there's more potential there, but still. Right, but I mean the sentiment around Niels Lundqvist is, yeah. you know, he's he's already 22 years old, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to really make it, right? Um, you know, the the sentiment is it's an overpay for for yeah. Lundqvist, um, yeah. but yes. you know, if he, yes. if he pans out, then he's a great piece to have. Yes. Okay. Wow, that's that's interesting. So Ethan Bear, yeah, when you hear his name. Excite you, Parker, or is it more, oh, okay, if it happens, it happens? Yeah, I, I think improving the defense would excite me, uh, especially <laughs> on the right-hand side. Um, but I also don't think that, I don't know if he's a big game-changer, right? Is yeah. he going to be a similar piece to a guy like Travis Dermott, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which you can get those guys. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can just go without them if you really need to, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think Ethan Bear is is getting me super excited, but I also wouldn't hate the idea of going after a guy like that. Wow! And then <laughs> it's funny. Uh, people are agreeing with us. Steve says not a fan of Bear. I hear so many negative things about him. And then we have Lucas saying hard sell on Bear. Jeremy saying Bear makes too many mistakes. So some would say people are a bit bearish. <laughs> Yes, very yes. good. <laughs> all right. Here all and night, try that, the veal. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, for, that. sorry for killing that. Um, <laughs> no, it was good. Killing that topic. Anything else happening happen in hockey? Yeah, uh, let's talk nuts? about Jake for a couple minutes. Uh, Jake for yeah. Signed to a PTO by Edmonton. And, and what are they doing? Yeah, so <laughs> I, know, I saw your tweet. I want, I want to give you the space, Parker, to, to air, but... I've always said, and I won't go to any editorial, I'll let you do that. I've always said that sports are a very forgiving place. You hear about redemption stories, uh, good or bad, worthy or not, across all leagues, across all types of sports. So when Jake legally was acquitted, therefore paving the way for a return somewhere, I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all Neither that a team is taking a chance on him. But you make a good point. I saw your tweet because what kind of player are we talking about here? Yeah, so there's a, a very common sentiment in sports yeah. that um, you can outplay your any legal troubles on the field, right? Mm. Um, mm. You look back at a guy like Kobe, for example, and the allegations he faced. You look yeah. back at a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. You look yeah. at a guy like Ray Lewis. You look at, you know, what do they have in common? They were excellent players that <laughs> allegedly did terrible things, Um but people can overlook it because yeah. you know they've they basically won their case out on the field, mm. um, which whether that's right or wrong, I won't speak for anyone else. I think it's pretty messed up. But yeah. 
then you look at th th that's not what this is right this is giving a guy a pto uh, a guy who had one good nhl season a guy who has the pedigree of being a top six pick who can skate pretty fast mm -hmm. uh but does not know how to go to the net yeah. Uh, this is a guy who, in tw in 38 games for the Vancouver Canucks in his last NHL season, had five goals and zero assists. How what? do you get zero assists in 38 NHL games as a forward? He went to the KHL uh, and I think was like not even in the top 10 on his team in scoring, 16 points uh, in 36 games. Just from a business perspective, yep. and let's put everything else uh, to the sure. to the side. Sure. Why on earth would the Edmonton Oilers, just from a business perspective, yeah, yeah. think it is this worth throwing away as much public sentiment as they might, especially in this time where there's all the stuff about Hockey Canada going on, uh, the guy who, uh, you know, higher ups on the Oilers who were a part of Hockey Canada at the time that that was going on. Mm -hmm. Why would you throw any bit of goodwill away? For a player who you're likely not going to give a contract to, unless and let's say best case, what is he? A twenty point player, maybe. Yeah, best, yeah, may, yeah, best case. Right, like best case. There was the Evander Kane thing, and that's you know that's one thing where again I, I still disagree with it, uh, and mm -hmm. I but they did make their hockey team better for it. Right. At what cost? That can be debated. This doesn't make their team better. It mm -hmm. doesn't make their room better. It's just a baffling decision. I mean, are we going back to are we going back to the well for Slava Voinov next? Like, where are we? <laughs> where is the line, right? Uh, so at this point, I mean, I, I just think it's it's on brand for what yeah. the Oilers this Oilers management group has done. Yeah. Uh, it's what they're I guess you know they're sort of the win at all costs. Um, I think there's a difference between being hated on the ice for the way you play as in, you know, sort of dirty hockey plays. I think that's bad, but I think this is a different level, right? You can look mm -hmm. back at and say, oh, well, the Canucks had hateable teams, right? Yeah. They had, you know, Alex Burroughs, Rafi Torres, uh, Max Lapierre, Matt Cook, right? Guys oh, who, yeah. you know, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, you know, guys who did terrible things on the ice, uh, and again, lots of that gets overlooked because they can play hockey. Um, but it's the off ice stuff, uh, when it involves, you know, especially the things that these tend to, uh, where it's a line that, you know, I would prefer my team to not go over. Right. So, okay. Final question. Then we'll get to people's questions for the last 10 minutes or so. If, if he makes the team, if he makes the Oilers, um, what's your overriding sentiment? Uh, I don't care. I do care because now we see him four times a year. Interesting. I'm going to track his progress. I don't care because he's not going to make an impact. Like I know we're talking hypothetical. Maybe it's not worth talking about, but very quickly, what would be your reaction, do you think? I look forward to seeing him get booed relentlessly at Rogers <laughs> Arena, uh, like Duncan Keith ha uh, does. Um, yeah. And I, I, think, I think I tweeted this earlier that I would love to see Tyler Myers line him up like he lined mm. up Duncan Keith earlier yeah. this year. And that basically well, yeah, that was awesome. a, a folk hero. Uh, more of that. Uh, I'd like to see guys maybe going after him uh, yeah. a little bit harder uh, than other players. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not surprising. It's kind of just the way the game is, like the the culture in hockey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's pretty on brand. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't like it, but I mean, there's not much I can do about it except root against him 
uh, which yep. I'm going to do against the Oilers anyways. And not that the Oilers need any more attractions. They have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and other really good players. But yes, uh, that would add a little bit of a, a little bit more for sure. And um, I, I think I agree with you. He definitely won't be cheered. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be uh, booed. Out I of the think building he will or... be booed. I you think th- so? I I almost guarantee it. Okay. Okay, that's um, fair. Yeah, yeah. I'll, only if he touches the puck, though, which is not super likely. <laughs> from uh, from our time. <laughs> Love it. Love it, love it. So we're getting used to this new schedule. We're still going to give you a good 55, 56 minutes, but a few minutes shorter of the, the full hour, three, hour, four that we've been doing. But I think we got 10 minutes for questions. How does that sound, Parker? 10 minutes, and then you got to run. So let's, you, uh, run. you guys got any questions about anyone maybe you're excited about, uh, our opinions on any upcoming Canucks players, other teams? Yeah. Um, you know, we've sort of, we sort of have answered all the, like, where do we think their Canucks are going to end up this year? <laughs> where do you, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you've got some, some weird wrinkles, um, yeah. that would be, uh, that would One, be interesting. I'm not going to read out this guy's a screen name, but I will ask <laughs> how many games do you think Rathbone should or will play this year? I guess that depends on if he's, if he's top six or not. Right. Yeah, what's your over under on uh, let's let's get this our first official prediction and then we're gonna do the rest maybe next week or the week after. Okay. How many NHL games does Jack Rathbone play this season? And this is official. This is binding. Okay. So let me think uh, of are, my number. So we're both then, giving a number and saying it at the same time, kind of thing. Mine is locked in in my head. Okay. Mine is almost locked in. Oh man. Okay. All right. What was your number? 35. Oh my, that's so high. You think Jack Rathbone plays 35 NHL games this year? I want him to. My I vote for my heart, not with my head. My <laughs> number is eight. Awesome. Then we have a big, we have a big. <laughs> All so right. 20, 21 and a half is a split point. <laughs> yeah, that's uh price is right rules. I'm looking great. Unfortunately, that's not the rules we go by. Yeah, no, we just go um, closest to someone got to write this down somewhere. Okay. 21 and a half. We got to remember this. Eight, eight, yeah. 35. Eight. 35. Yeah. Okay. Maybe no more predictions for Sparker. Obviously, I need a bit of time to think, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Edmund, do you think Alvin may entertain a trade for Hoaglander? Now, hmm. Hoaglander's name was floated by some people. Just I don't think it was like, oh, he's rumored in this trade for Bear. It was like, oh, that's a piece the Canucks have that's sort of not really getting the ice time uh, and sort of almost in a, a very similar situation to bear, right? Had a pretty good, like uh first year or so, you know, bear had that one year where he was playing like 20 minutes a night for Edmonton. Yeah. Um, and Hoaglander was really good in his first year, had a bit of a sophomore slump. So I think he's sort of the natural um, person that who are like, Hey, who can the Canucks trade that doesn't make the roster much worse to add this piece. Um, so Hoaglander's name is out there. Do you think Alvin might entertain a trade for a guy like Hoaglander? Oh, I thought about this as I saw Hoaglander today. Um, and it's funny. <laughs> this is so bad. Part of me, this is what we do as content creators. Every time I saw a player, the, one of the very first things I thought, okay, what's his contract? What do we expect from him to do this year? Da, da, da. I don't want to give up on him yet. Um, I, I get a trade. You're not necessarily giving up on him, especially if you get good value back. But I, I'm not worried about like Cam Neely vibes. But I do think that he's only... He's only played two seasons, and if other players have suffered through sophomore slumps, we got to give him that benefit of the doubt as well. I would not trade him unless you got a really good deal that helps you now. But he's he's on a sweet, you know, I mean, ELC, so he's got one more year. And when, 
at uh, 900 grand or whatever. And we talked about this last time. You're probably only signing him for another one or two years, another show me deal for one, 1.1. So it's not like he's going to break the bank over the next few seasons. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't move him unless something really good comes along. Yeah. I think the only thing I could see that yep. would cause the Canucks to give up on a guy like, like Hoaglander is a request like a like a like a trade request of like hey you're not you're playing our guy in the ahl when he's an nhl -er, or you're playing on the fourth line when he needs to be in the top nine to produce um that's fair that's something a good point. along those lines uh which i think would be fair um honestly i think the canucks just have such a glut of middling forwards that like sort of take his place right like where who are you gonna overtake are you gonna overtake tanner pearson Probably not, right? He's a he's proven. He's going to put up forty points. You know, he's going to be absolutely fine. Um, yeah. You know, who are you going to overtake? Uh, I don't know. Like Kuzmenko's ahead of you in the depth chart. McKayev's ahead of you in the depth chart. Uh, Pod Colson, I think, probably jumped ahead in the depth yeah. chart as well. Yeah. You know, that might be one that I could see him overtaking. But yeah. then you're in a whole new scenario. Yes, <laughs> I'm just giggling, Parker, because I love our little prediction game. I can't wait till we, we actually commit to doing it. But I'm just laughing because the very first one, eight versus 35. And then in the chat, I see as low as five. I see as high as 58. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have some good. I'm going to I'll put them together. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that is one we should try to do in person because I think that it is. would be very funny. Yeah. Um, but we'll do that in the next week or two. OK. Um, or I guess we have three weeks because the first Canucks game is until the 12th. So we yeah, have three yeah. shows until then. Um, yeah, in person would be fun. That's true. And we just got to work. We, you and I can work out legit. We're we'll pretty now. We're two smart guys. I, I do want to acknowledge Lucas's donation. Thank you, Lucas, mm -hmm. or, for basically single-handedly floating our, our podcast and our show. We appreciate that. What matchups are you guys eyeing for the season? Either divisional, interdivisional, or out of conference? It's the divisional games for me. It's going to be yep. the teams that are, are floating around that third spot, um, yeah. which if we think that's going to be, you know, L.A., if we think it's going to be Vegas, yeah. right? Um, that's where I'm – those are the teams that those games are going to be yeah. really competitive and games you have to, you have to win. Yes. Um, outside of the division, there's no one I, I care all that much about. You know, the only see the Eastern teams twice a year – yeah. Um, you know, there's always the the fun ones like the Blackhawks and and things like that, uh, sure. the old rivals. But I think it's all division for me. Yeah. Um. I, that's a great. That's a very very good answer for me, Parker. I look at this three game homestand, three games and four nights in January. You got Tampa on Wednesday night, Colorado on Friday, and then Edmonton on Saturday. How's that for a for a tough go. That sounds like three losses. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the two. <laughs> you got those teams and then the Oilers game, which is like, oh, the Oilers won maybe your best chance to win, but you're on yeah. a back-to-back. -back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got the two Stanley Cup finalists um, and then Hockey Night in Canada <laughs> against yeah. the Oilers. That'd be crazy. That That's nuts to me. Yeah, but if they win all three, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, probably, we'll be probably less planning, likely. Planning the parade route for sure. Great question, Lucas. Thank you. Love it. Uh, who else? What else? Let's see here. Um, it's questions I don't know the answers to. Oh, good. Put it up. Put it up. Uh, Edmund, can we put Pullman back on LTI? 
if he's reco- if he's not recovering, or is there a limit on how many players can be on LTI? I don't think there's a limit. I don't think so either. Um, I just know LTI allows you to go over the cap by a certain amount, yeah. which so it's not actually that useful because you don't accrue any cap space. Okay, you can only go over by that much. Right. So ideally, you don't want guys on LTI. It doesn't help you that much. Right. Um, all the Canucks have negative two and a half million of cap space, anyways. So, um, yeah, and that's the whole thing where um, to make the best use of it, to take advantage of it, you need to be as close to the cap as possible. Is that is that's right. that's fair? Yeah, right? yeah. You got to yeah. use as much as you can. Right. Um, which the so Canucks actually, are going to do very well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say this is actually a really good uh, talking point without getting to the semantics. Because the season starts on blank day, but the Canucks don't have their first game until October 12th, they're, you're going to hear a lot of talk about papering someone down, papering someone down to Abbotsford. That does, so if you hear that Podkolzin or Hoglander or Rathbone or even Kuzmenko are being sent down, the bad, Kuzmenko, bad example, are being sent down to, to Abbotsford, it doesn't mean that they're being banished to the minors. It means for day one, they do that to figure out their salary cap, make sure they're under. Then you can put a guy like Ferlin or Pullman on LTR and then bring those guys back up. So uh, we're going to talk about this closer to the season, but that's a thing that a lot of teams do is they paper guys down. Paper meaning it's only a transactional on paper. It doesn't affect their their uh, their actual standing on the roster. But that's something we're going right. to see, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. salary cap, just for, for those unaware, it's calculated daily. Um, yes. Yeah. At whatever time, like 9 a.m. Pacific or something like that. Um, so whoever is wherever they are, that counts towards your cap for that much that day. That's why at the trade deadline, if you had a million of cap space all year at the trade deadline, you can pick someone up who has a $4 million cap hit because you're just taking whatever's left. Gotcha. Good point. Which the Canucks yes. will not be able to do this year. <laughs> I don't think they can do anything when it comes to salary cap. They cannot do with it. I, I still, I'm looking at it and it says, oh, the, okay. So they're going to be two and a half or 2.75 mil over, but they're going to exceed the cap using Furland's LTIR. So yeah. they they can sort of have another like 750k, which is not even an NHL player. Right, right, right. Good point. Why don't we end up with this? Dowling. I got a good one. Oh, Dowling. I got a good one for you. Um, a content creator who we're fond of and very supportive of us. Thank you, Gio. So he says, I asked Clay about this last time on his curious of Parker's thoughts. If you had to place a bet, who's winning the Calder next season? Power, right? Slavkowski, Perfetti, or someone else? Oh, that's tough. Uh, yeah. I power's got the pedigree. Yes. You know, I think that's going to be um big is Maddie Beniers is eligible, right? He didn't play enough last year. If You're right and and Kai actually said that. He goes, "I would bet on Beniers." Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Beniers played 10 games last year, had 9 points, right? Like what? this is yeah, this this kid's going to be really 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 good. Um actually yeah. let's I'm going to find the odds here. Um so opening odds Owen Power and Mason McTavish are the favorites. Matty Benier's close behind. And then there's a okay. big gap. Okay. Um, I like those three as favorites. I, I think I'd have McTavish maybe at the lowest out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit less pedigree. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, I mean, he also played nine games last year, only three points. Also, he plays for Anaheim. Oh, not like Good World Juniors, player. though. Good World yeah. Juniors. <laughs> so I, I like all three of them. I, I think Benier's would be my pick. Okay, I like that. Maybe we could add that to our uh, our bets. Maybe. Maybe we could add some Just awards maybe. voting. I mean, it takes us long enough to actually look at the results <laughs> that the awards are given out. Heck, man, one of our questions should be who's going to win the twenty forty cup, like two thousand forty. Yeah, and then <laughs> we'll just we'll have it, and it'll come down to that one too. We'll just be on ice for 
Yeah. 18 years. I'll be like 65 years old. <laughs> Great. Actually, I will be. I'll be 66 years old in 2040, but that, that's for another stream. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. a problem. It would be. It would be. All yes, righty. very good. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Oh, you're aware time. Where I didn't well, realize. I, know, I, did, I to rush. No, this takes precedent. So if I have to start Panic. a little bit later, I will. I will. I will. I promise. Yeah. Um, Sharm says Kuzmenko for Calder. Let's go with that. He's 26. Right. The 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 bunting uh, of this year. Could you imagine? Wait, hold on. Is he eligible? Is Kuzmenko? Uh, Calder. No, I think he got to be 26. Right? He's gonna be 27. Oh, the guy too old, man. He's like the clay emo of uh of the Canucks. Or is it? It depends on the date because he's 26 till February 4th. I no, don't that's... know. Okay, we'll we'll look that up for next week. Uh, I think I will find it fast. Okay. Or uh, yeah. Oh, he's no, he's one year too early. Okay, he uh, can still dominate and not and win a different award then. Yeah, that would be that would have been hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would be uh, that would be cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I think that's all we got. So if you guys enjoy the show, uh, yeah. make sure you like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Uh, we only have sixteen likes. Get those up. If you missed any yes. part of it, uh, as a lot of you did at the beginning, feel free to <laughs> rewind back to the beginning, uh, or you can find it on your favorite po- uh, podcast platform in a matter of about 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, as always, Clay, any parting words for this yeah. evening? I think we have big plans. We we get really excited about this prediction show. I think we're just gonna have to figure out a way to to make it happen live. Whether I I don't do my own show that night, which I'm fine missing one night, or I get you over here, I come bring you down to beautiful Steveston, and then just boot you out, or heck, make you stay for my show. We'll we'll figure something out over the next two weeks for sure. Sounds good. I'll yes. uh, everyone go over to uh, go over to. Uh, we'll send everyone over to Clay's Canucks commentary live. Uh, Appreciate if you that. Guys want more Canucks talk? Um, you can find me at Parker's Pucks on Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Clay at Canuck Clay, uh, Twitter, YouTube. It's all the same. We're good at branding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys, uh, hopefully. yeah, hopefully you all have a good week. Next time we talk will be next Monday after two hockey games at the exact same time. Uh, one yeah. hour apart, but for the most part. Yeah. Um, thank you all very much. Have a good night.